Okay, Boker Chover at the bottom of Moi Katan Yud Dalit Amid Aleph. We were in the middle of a discussion where Shmuel said that if a child was born on Cholamoid, he can get a haircut because there's no greater jail than that. He had no ability to get a haircut beforehand. <coughs> Gomorrah made an implication that only if he's born on Cholamoid, it appears if he's born before Cholamoid, he's not able to take the haircut. So, then, if you recall, we asked the question, uh, uh, he asked, we know there's a Bryce that says, wherever we say you're allowed to get a haircut on Cholamoid, you're allowed to get a haircut in the days of mourning. We correlated those two, and we had a long, interesting discussion of why are we comparing Cholamoid to mourning, and we said it's an idea of meeting with Hashem, sometimes under happy circumstances, sometimes not under happy circumstances. Okay, so the statement that the question is being asked on is from that Bryson, that when you're, anyone who can get a haircut on Cholamoid can get a haircut during the morning, period. Now, we're going to imply the following, and this is the, where the question is going to come from. Ha, the implication is, if someone's not allowed to get a haircut on Cholamoid, the understanding should be, you should not be able to get a haircut during the Avelos. Now, the Bryce didn't say that. Bryce only said anywhere where we said you're allowed to get a haircut on Cholamoid, you're allowed to get a haircut during the Avelos. So that makes sense. Same thing that's what you would assume. <laughs> That's what the Gemara is saying. Implying if you can't during it, during the time of your, of, of Cholamoid, then, uh, uh, then you can't do it during the morning. Now, if that's the case, so what did we say? If the child did not get the haircut beforehand, he is not allowed to get a haircut. Okay, so what's the implication for morning? Should get a haircut before. No. How are you gonna know? Okay, that? so no, but if he was before, then he, he would not. He's not able to get a haircut. Right. That should be the. No, that's not quite the same. The the child could have, but he didn't. Whereas a mourner had no choice. Suddenly it happened to him. How could they? No, no, the there? child for mourning. Same thing. Right. Child who's born before the Who mourning knows? period takes yeah. place. Could not get a haircut, just like he couldn't do by Right. It makes sense. So the child was born before the morning period. That's yeah, like yeah, that's the implication. All right, all right. Remember, that's, that's Shmuel said if he's born on Cholomite, he can get a haircut, meaning if he's born beforehand, he can't. So the understanding should be he shouldn't get a haircut if he was a child. What's the connection to the morning with a child born? I don't know. We're connecting Chol Hamoed, morning to Chol Hamoed. Remember? Right. Even that I don't see except for the idea of getting closer to Hashem. That's right, all. right, so right. That's so, all. so therefore, whatever we say by one, we say by the other. Okay. Right? So he's he's saying that he cannot, a child who's born before Cholamoid cannot get a haircut on Cholamoid. Okay. And now the, the Bryce says anyone who's allowed to get a haircut on Cholamoid is allowed to get a haircut during the morning period. Okay. Implication is you're not allowed to have a haircut on Cholamoid 
then you're not allowed to have a haircut during the morning period. So if a child who's born before and cannot get a haircut we'd assume he should not get a haircut during the morning period as well. But if that's the case, the Amrit Katan Ace Plukta. So now, but if you say that the law of an infant has in it a distinction between being born on Cholamoid and before Cholamoid, as we just said, and before Cholamoid, he's not allowed, that's the implication, then you see that morning would apply to a cotton, right? Because since Rav Pinchas' brisa equates Cholamoid and morning, right? Which I just, I spoke out the question already. Now here's the problem. But does Taka Katan have laws of mourning? No. no. That's going to be the question. But mm-hmm. Tanya, but we learned in a price, uh, we got to read this carefully. Makrin Lakatan, we ripped the garment for a mourner, but not because he is mourning. Normally, when you have a close relative who dies, you rip your garment. Why do you rip your garment? Because you. Have, that's the law for you in your morning. Again, everything we do is to focus on your connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, but here, the bride says, yes, we rip a garment of a mourner, of a minor, but not because he it's his halacha of mourning, but but because of grief. And not because the child is a mourner. What does that mean? You got to explain this. Who's grief? Not the mourners. Everybody else who's sitting shiva. When you rip a child's garment, it impresses the onlookers to appreciate the loss and will move them to tears and will bring more honor for the deceased. In other words, you're not ripping the garment of the child because he is observing the mourning over the dead person, he doesn't have the intellectual capacity to understand that. And, but so everybody sees, Oy Nebuch, must be a big tragedy. The little, little child had to rip his garments. Just like, for example, when if, if God forbid, a, a young child, very young child says Kaddish for his parents. A six-year-old child says Kaddish. Right? You're, you say, wow, what a tragedy. The kid's saying Kaddish. It's, it's a real tragedy. And now people are moved to tears, and that brings respect to the deceased. When an adult rips a garment, it's not so it will evoke uh, uh, grief in others. It's his halacha of mourning. But when the child does it, it's not because of a halacha of mourning for the child. It's so others see it, and others are in grief. But really, the child himself has no obligation. If it wasn't for the fact of other people, then we would not rip the garment of the child. So we see the child is not involved. We don't, he, he does not have to rip the garment. He doesn't have to keep the laws of mourning. And we said, well, whoever has to keep the laws of Cholomoyed has to keep the laws of mourning. So it seems that's not so. Now, why is it that the child is not ripping his garment because of his sense of mourning? Because he doesn't understand what's going on over here. Why is ripping an aspect of mourning? Again, it's all there to focus on our meeting with God. And as as I tell every 
mourner when they rip their garments. I say the purpose of this procedure is because on the one hand, our feelings are in one place, our emotions are in one place, while our intellect is in another place. Which means, and this has a little bit to what we what you emailed me about, but not completely, is when you see a close person dies. So how do you emotionally feel? Emotionally, it's tragic. Emotionally, you feel terrible. Okay, cannot deny your emotions. Intellectually, you have to know that everything Hashem does is for the best. Right? And therefore person is in a state of crisis. What's the crisis? On the one hand, I'm a religious Jew who knows that everything Hashem does is for the best. And if Hashem decides to take this person away, Hashem knows exactly what he's doing. And there could be nothing better for this situation than the person to die. Because, again, to assume that God just doesn't notice God was taking a coffee or sleeping, and while he was not watching the person died, that's what we say is kfira. In other words, to say that, oh, this was a, a tragedy and it, it's an ultimate tragedy and there's nothing good about this. So what happens? But it can't be, it can't say that. You can't. You have to say that God is the one who decided that this person dies. And God, who is all kind and all merciful, no matter what he does, it is kindness. Okay, and what Hashem decided is a just decision. Okay, fine, that's good for my intellectual understanding. It's good for me to tell somebody else that they're going through that. But for me, I'm a human being and I feel devastated. So the halacha recognizes this. Halacha, Torah recognizes this. So therefore, simultaneously, what do you do? You make a blessing. The blessing says that God is the true judge. And everything he does is 100% correct. That's for your mind. But at the very same time, once you say that, you rip your garment saying, but my mind, but my feelings cannot accept it. Which means when a person goes through, especially if it's someone they loved and somebody, especially if it's a sudden thing that happens. So... What do you mean? I'm a human being. I have feelings and emotions. And this is a very close person to me. I'm devastated. And you can't say, well, you know, suck it up. Be a grown-up. And you understand it's for the best from God. So don't let it bother you. No way. The halakha recognizes, wait a minute. Maybe in theory, that's right. Cerebrally, it's right. But we're still human beings. We're still emotional. So what is happening is a person is going through... An internal crisis. The internal crisis is, and therefore a person can, can feel he's a terrible Jew. He's saying, wait a minute. A number of things can happen. Number one, the, the person could say, I hate God. I hate God. He did this. There's no reason he should have done this. Right? person can say that. So, and you may have that feeling. So, we recognize you have that feeling. How do we recognize it? You're, you're upset. You're def- you, you could be angry. You can be tzibrochen. Everyone will relate in a different way. So what do you do? You rip your garment. 
you rip your garment to, to describe the, the sense of destruction that's happened. Okay? Because that you must express physically your distress. At the same time, or right before that, you do say the bracha of Baruch Dynamics. And by doing that, you are, uh, what's the word? You're, you're making yourself aware of the crisis that you're having that my mind is telling me one thing while my heart is telling me another and I'm in crisis. So what do you do when you're in crisis? When you're doing crisis, now all crises, when Hashem sends you a crisis, it's meant for you to grow from it or Hashem wouldn't send you the crisis. Okay? So now the rabbis understand, well, how's he going to grow if he just goes back to work the next day? It's going to suppress his feelings. It's going to come back later to haunt him. Is he going to feel he's not a good Jew? You could say, what do you mean? How, how could I feel bad? This really is all for the best. I said, no, I can feel bad because Hashem blew it. No, I can't feel that way because Hashem is all-powerful. So it, it, a person is, has to balance his feelings, but what, what he knows is true versus what he feels is true. So how do you do that? So you, you already acknowledge that you're in that crisis. Many people don't even acknowledge that. And now they go through all kinds of uh, mental trauma, and now it's going to play itself out in one of two ways. Either person will never want to feel close to anybody, so they'll never get hurt again. Or they're going to have to understand that there's a much deeper reality to life. Now, again, why is the person going through all this trauma? Why is the person feeling so bad? Why are you devastated? What do you mean? I'm never going to see them again. Or, or they're dead. They're finished. All the times we would have had together, all the simchas we would have had, all the nice uh, games we played together, whatever, all the things that you do with people that you love, you can't do that anymore. Okay? So that can devastate a person. But if you understand that your trip in this world is just a passageway to an eternal reality, so the person now, Hashem has decided this is how long you're meant to be in this world to, to, to accomplish what you're meant to accomplish. And everybody intellectually knows it's much better to be an Olam Haba than an Olam Haza. You're next to Hashem. There's no suffering. There's no nothing like this. Yeah, but to get into Olam Haba, we have to go through Olam Haza. So if you look at it that way, then you understand you're not supposed to be so upset because really this is going to turn out really good. If you ask the dead person, how are things going? After he has to go through his judgment, but ultimately he says, yeah, they're great, I'm, I'm close to Hashem. So rabbis understood it's a very difficult uh, process to go through and you're in real crisis. So how do you deal with it? You got to spend seven days in therapy. And what's the therapy? The therapy is what the rabbis tell you what the therapy is. And what's the main therapy? You gotta figure out what are all these things about? Why are you not wearing shoes? Why are you sitting on the floor? Why aren't you in there? Mirrors are covered. Why, why is there a candle? Why, why, why? There's a reason. It's not just, oh, it's a custom. There's a reason for it. And it's what? The house of mourning should be as close as possible as to a, an understanding of a spiritual environment and not a physical environment. So how are you as supposed we, to make up one, the, one second, one second, let me just finish, and he could ask. So 
that's what it said in this week's uh, parsha on Noach. It says uh, there was a pasuk. I don't remember it by heart. In Mishle, they brought. They said that the house of the wicked will be destroyed, and the tents of the righteous will flourish. So the Vilagon asks. I understand, it's not consistent. It says the house of the wicked, yet the tent of the righteous. Say house by both or tent by both. And Villagone answers as follows. He says that a house, that there's two different types of people who live in this world. There's a person who feels that this world is his house. A house is a sense of permanence. This is it. This is the real deal. Okay? When you die... I don't know. They say there's oil in my mouth. I don't know. Maybe yes, I hope. If not, or, or they say I don't believe in that. But my main focus and my main energies is to have a permanent reality here. There's other people who say, no, no, no. There's no such thing as a permanent reality here. The permanent reality is my soul, and that permanently is in oil and Here, I'm just temporary. Here, I just need a tent. I don't need a house because I'm just passing through. Now, you can live in a house, but in your mind, it's like a tent. You don't, you don't, it's not, it's not long-term. It's not my home is my castle. My home is my tent, okay? And therefore, that makes a whole difference how you live your life. So the Russia, and this, and the Medrash says, the, the Russia who lives in a house, that's the Dora Mabu. The Tzaddik who lives in a tent and flourishes, that's Noah. The meaning is, the people in the, to our model, they felt this world is everything. And you get everything you can. And in order to do that, I have to kill people, I have to rape people, I have to murder people. Because it's this world is everything there is. At the end of the day, you'll be destroyed. Noach, on the other hand, understood this is a spiritual aspect of life. And therefore, those people flourish. So now, back to... so, it, so it's like, And what saved Noach? The Teva. By being in the Teva, because that was an environment where he was not involved. Building the Teva, number one, which he knew was only going to be temporary. Imagine all that effort just for 40 days, but it was to save mankind. And in the Teva, okay? So now, when a person goes through life, and you really don't think a lot about these things, and could very well be the default position, since we're physical people, is we think this world is the real world. That's what usually is the feeling. Even though you say there's Olam Haba, but, you know, we say there's Olam Haba, we say we believe, but we don't, we don't live that way. We don't live that way because there's, cause we're physical people and we need to eat and it's much easier to relate to the physical part than the spiritual part. Uh, so now, you're now under a crisis. Now, that crisis can make you go in one of two ways. You can further say, well, what's the point? You die anyway. See, I don't see him going to Elam Haba. He's dead, so I might as well enjoy my physical pleasures. Might as well get drunk. Might as well do all kinds of things to just numb my feelings from this world or just grab everything I can from everybody else. So we have the person live in a teva for seven days. He lives in the ark, a protected environment. Why is it protected? Because we don't live the way we normally live. Even in our house, we don't live the way we normally live. And therefore, anything that is focused on the body, we play it out. We ignore the body as much as humanly possible. No shave. Everyone likes to have a nice shave. They look good. They look cool. It makes you feel like somebody. 
etc., etc. Grooming yourself, bathing yourself for pleasure. These are all things that make the body feel good. And if the body is the primary uh, uh, address, you have a lot of difficulty in dealing with uh, these things. So therefore, for an entire week, you have to have an encounter with God. And you see that candle. The candle of, of, uh, the candle of God is the soul of man. For seven days, you're looking at that candle. You're thinking about a soul. You're not looking at your face. You're not looking at, you're not looking at a mirror. All these things. You are not indulging the body. Why? So that you can be involved with physical realities. Okay? So, therefore, this is a heavy thing. You can't expect a child to understand that. It's beyond what a child can... It's not possible. You've got to tell him to rip his garment. And get, uh, this, these are philosophical things that are way behind a five-year-old to understand all that. I mean, you could say some words, but it's devastating. So when he rips his garment, when you rip, when we rip our garment, that's to beginning the process of mourning and convening with God and coming out a healthier person. The child, it's nothing for him. So what do we see? We see there's no such thing as a child mourning even though there's prohibitions of column light. That ultimately is the question. Okay, thank you for being so patient. Now I'm taking on any questions. So, so in the seven-day mourning period, you explained very well why it's so essential. What are you supposed to do if it's displaced by, uh, by a chag? Because I don't see, I haven't heard anything that we do to make up for it. They just say, too bad. Too bad you're pushed aside for this. And also, what are you supposed to that's the First of all, that's the next topic of the Gemara. Oh. Interesting. That's the very next topic of the Gemara. Oh. But that, oh. but I think the answer is uh, as follows. They both are meant to accomplish the same goal. They're both meant to accomplish the same goal, aren't they? To connect, to connect with Hashem. Right? So if you want to connect with Hashem, so now the whole God has put into the uh, framework of the world this idea of connecting to Hashem. And when it comes Sukkot time, you want to connect to Hashem by going to the base of Migdash and celebrating and Pesach and this. These are set times for everybody. All of the Jewish people need to connect to Hashem this way. Gamora is going to say in a minute the, uh, the celebration of the masses, the needs of the masses push away the needs of the individual. In other words, if, how is it going to look that on Pesach is a Shiva house on Pesach? What's that going to do? You're supposed to connect Hashem through joy, right? And what all that represents with all that, that which it represents. So, um, you're going to have a Shiva house? What, what, what kind of Pesach is it going to be? We're all focused on discussing the person who died and this and that all the thing. Remember, Shiva is not a private thing because it's meant to be shared with the community. Right? So the moral is going to say the needs of the masses push off the needs of the one. But his, but his personal needs yeah, don't get met. Hold on, but not necessarily, because again, it's interesting that the Morris says, Kishem Shemavorchen al Hatov, 
mevorchen al ra. Just like you make a bracha on the good, you make a bracha on the bad. What do you mean just like? They're not the same bracha. The bracha on the good is shehechayonu. The bad is baruch dayanemes. So the Mephorshim may explain. What does it mean? Bad? You make the same bracha? Besimcha. With joy. Again, with, mentis, with joy? Yeah, just, just the same way when you have a good thing, it's good. It's with joy. So to embarrass the joy. So what are you talking about? So that we don't understand what simcha means. Simcha is not joy. English word joy. That's no such thing. It's simcha. Simcha simcha. It's not joy. And what's simcha? Simcha is doing the right thing that you're supposed to be doing at this time. You know when a person is happy? When they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing at this time. A person, think about that in the, in the simple meaning, Right? Okay, what's normal? Yeah, you have a baby, grows up, gets older, gets married. Okay, and that's that's a simcha. Why? Because what's supposed to happen at this time is happening. And that's all part of the divine plan to get married, continue to make more Jews in the world. Why is that a simcha? Because that's right time, right? So you should always feel what's happening right now is what I'm supposed to be doing. When a person feels that, oh, this is not good, this is not bad, this is not what should be happening now, you're not having simcha. Ah, but God says, what are you talking about? Ivdu es Hashem v'simcha. You always serve Hashem with simcha. There's no such thing, ivdu es Hashem for part of the day and not for the other part of the day. There's no such thing as this being not what I'm, remember, we, we interpret simcha and avelus as happy, sad, Happy, there's a briz. Someone dies, sad. No, that's not at all. What is, is you have a choice. Do you choose to be happy? Do you choose to not be happy? Sometimes it's easier to choose to be happy, but you don't even know what you're being happy for. Okay, you're going to a wedding. Yeah, I'm happy, you know why? It's good food, lots of people, lots of booze, having a great time. That's why you're happy? You're happy because two souls have joined together and now we have two people that have now become human. The single boy and the single girl is not the Tzalem Elohim. That's what it said in last week's Parsha. God created man and woman. Together is the Tzalem Elohim. Now, what is a Simcha? Simcha is that a human being who does not have the Tzalem Elohim yet... Is getting married and is going to have to tell him Elohim. Now, that's the right thing, the right time, right? That's assuming it's a Jewish boy and a Jewish girl who are allowed to get married to each other. That the simcha is, and that's where Hashem is, the simcha is what the right thing is happening. Okay? If God forbid you have somebody who's intermarrying, it's not, it may be a physical simcha. Oh, the couple's happy. As long as Giselle is a nice is nice to him, then I'm happy. No, 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 no. It's a tragedy because he's never going to be the Tselemelokim. And that's why you can't go to such a wedding. It's not a simcha, right? So simcha is that doing the thing you're supposed to be, you're meant to do. Well, guess what? Sometimes on our false simcha meter, we might say, this is not a good thing. No, no, no. Remember, this person has been taken away from the world at this time. And your avoda is to 
accept the judgment and strengthen your belief in Hashem. And if you're doing that, you're doing the thing you're supposed to be doing and what you were created to do at this time. And that is Simcha. We have a, such a corrupted understanding of Simcha, it's ridiculous. And therefore, that totally skews our whole understanding. Simcha means God is giving you a job to do and you're doing what you were created to do at this time. And every moment there's a different thing that you're created to do at this time. Right? Somebody insults you. You know what? At this time, your job is to be mavater. That's the job. And if you do it, boy, are you bringing all kinds of tikkunim to the world. And now that's a simple because you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Right? Ten minutes from now, you got to daven mincha? You should be the simcha. Why? Because you were created to daven mincha at this time. When you go and do things that the Torah does not say you should be doing, okay, then even, let's say, I'm just saying, let's say you have a regular shear. Every week you go and learn Torah. Simcha. And this time, somebody gave you free tickets to see a Leafs game. And you can go and have a good time. That's not Simcha. That's not Simcha. Yeah, well, I had a great time. But you're not supposed to be doing that. That's not what God created you to go to Leafs games and, and, to, and to not go to the Shear because of the Leafs game. You might be very happy. What do you mean? It's a Simcha. That's not what God created you to do at this time. So therefore, you have, you have to make the blessing of you're the right judge, the Simcha. Because that's, so that goes pretty far. And now, this is obviously very deep stuff. So what are you going to tell the person who's, uh, who's, uh, whose child was beheaded last week? He says, your avoda right now is to accept the divine judgment, which he did in a way that's best for everybody. And if you accept it, and you, now it doesn't mean to say you're not hurting. It doesn't mean to say you're not, because you have a body. You have a body. The body hurts. But our avoda is to not keep everything in its place. And not let things go out of the compartments. You have an emotional compartment. Yes, accept it. Embrace it. Yes, you're sad. Yes, you're physically devastated. No question about it. God doesn't even ask you to deny that. But in spite of the fact that's one compartment, you have another compartment. You have lots of compartments in your brain. And you have the part of the brain that knows the reality is anod melvado. Now, don't let the suffering control the brain. Let the intellect control the brain. And to say, listen, I don't understand how this is good. To me, it, it, it doesn't seem good at all. But I have 100% faith in God. And now I'm reaffirming my emunah in Hashem. And I understand that when we come to the other side of life, when we get to our permanent home, Noam Haba, Hashem is going to show me how this was the most amazing thing for me. And, and yet, my body, my feelings can't accept it. That's okay. So that's okay. I made you that way. I made you that you should feel hurt. You should feel hurt. Why do I have to feel hurt? You'll find out later. If I tell you everything now, then what, what's, where's the Bechira? After all that hurt, I still want you to be a happy person. I still want you to serve Hashem with joy. I still want you to have a joie de vivre of life to serve Hashem. And that is the avoda. That is the avoda. That avoda happens all the time. 
And if you and what do you mean, what do you mean? during the every day, day in, day in, day in, day out, you kind of can lose um, focus of that. Huh? So that's why three times a year, Shem gives you a yontif. Where you strengthen that understanding of what simcha really is. We need to know what real simcha is. And if you don't have a real simcha, so now I legislate that three times a year, you're going to know what real simcha is. You're going to come to the base on Migdash, you're going to see what it is. You're going to have a Pesach, you're going to have a Sukkot, you're going to have a Shavuos. And this is really bringing you to understand that. So I can't have, and it's necessary for us to have things that are physically and emotionally happy for you so I can get the intellectual <laughs> message across. Now, if everybody's going to focus at a Shiva house, you're losing that necessary key to what Simcha is. Hashem has legislated enough things during the year to keep us Simcha focused. Okay, now the guy's, I got cheated out? He didn't get cheated out. Hashem says, for you, you don't need it. You don't need it. And you know, you need more to get, get to Simcha through the other way. That's, again, why me and not that We'll tell you the notes later on. But one thing's for sure. You cannot let an individual's suffering mar a community's joy when the community's supposed to be joyful. Just like in every aspect, we have an idea. Ase versus losase. What if you're in a situation where you have a positive mitzvah, a negative, and you have to, you can only do one. Either the negative says, you don't do the mitzvah, or the mitzvah says you push off the negative. How do you decide? Positive always pushes off the negative. Why? Positive is a positive way of relating to Hashem, and that always wins out. So now, when we're dealing with mourning, which is sad, and there's a whole avoda for mourning, but just like we have priorities, the masses take priority over the individual. That's the rule. And the individual now is obliged. Now, again, Let's just make it clear. Generally speaking, there'll still be a shiva afterwards. A person dies on Cholomoid, the shiva is not done then, but it's done afterwards. So, but if the person died just before the heart. Okay, so you had mourn. a certain amount of time to mourn, and God says, that's all you need to mourn. Just like God lets somebody live 50 years, 70 years, and 80 years. Why? That's all the time you need to live in this world. So God says, that's as much time as you need to mourn. How do you know, God? I know what you need. So God has a very intricate computer system, and he knows what we need. Okay? So that is the issue with that. Okay. So we're still uh, stuck on that. So we'll, we'll just leave it at there, but now we've at least got to the question. Okay? Clear? If anybody want to ask, comment, it's... It's, it's very philosophical stuff here. Why do we, that a child have to render his clothes for the public to see that? The, the public wouldn't see that. They wouldn't understand what's going on. We are very much affected by what we see, not by what we know. No, but... You, you hear want, a person die. You go to a shiva house and you have to see the child. Because that will make you understand the nature of this reality. So we're not there. good enough for this. Well, I'll tell you very much. Why is everybody looking at all the video clips of the, of the Jewish people getting killed? You, you know they're being killed. They told you that 40 little kids got beheaded. You have to see it? Well, some people feel you do. If you really see it, then it's real. 
As they say, You can't compare hearing to seeing. You have to realize, on the one hand, it is a tragedy. And we have to live through the tragedy and help the people. But know that what I'm doing the right thing is the simcha in the tragedy. Right? You've got to realize, there's a little child who doesn't have a father. Who's going to take care of his chinuch? Who's going to pay for his education? They didn't have insurance in those days. Who's going to take care? There's a lot of myths that have to be done. Well, some will take care of it. You see him ribbing his garment. Oy vey, I have to take care of it. You cannot compare the two. You know, when, but uh, so therefore you got to see it, seeing it because the community has to mourn. You have to mourn for the loss of a person who dies and mourn for the situation because in the physical realm, there's physical things you need to do. But on the spiritual realm, you have to know it's all for the best. So, for example, you, you, you just had this girl went to bed last night in Beis Yaakov, Eretz Yisrael. She didn't get up. Now, that's a tragedy. So now, so now what do you got to do? Well, there's a lot of emotional uh, hurt. Well, you got to get in there and help the emotional hurt. You got to deal with the physical part of that person. They're hurting. Every girl in that school is in shock, probably. So you have to send all kinds of therapists. In school? School, in the dormitory. She just went to sleep and didn't get up. Oh. Finished. Oh. Toronto girl. Toronto. Lives down south. Wow. Right. Just didn't get up. Nobody beat her up. No terrorists, no nothing. Just went to sleep and did not get up. And we'll never know why because you're not going to do an autopsy. Okay. And things like that. Whatever. That's what, that's what it is. So what are you going to do? So parents, those parents have to say, Baruch Dynamis with Simcha. What do you mean Simcha? I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing at this time, and right now I'm supposed to be mourning for her. And if I'm mourning for her, and I'm, and I'm appropriately uh, doing what has to be done here, there can be no greater Simcha. Simcha means I'm doing exactly what i meant to do at this time. And, that's, and that really is saying, Hashem is guiding me in the path that's best for me. I don't understand it, but I'm so happy that it's just not random. And that I have my avodah to have. Okay, Shem is giving us a lot of heavy things to think about uh, since Yom, Yom Kippur. All right, Zai Gazun. Now we have to see who's been calling. So-